So we are talking about um, how to feel feelings, why to feel feelings, what you should consider before you start this journey, and what are some ways that you can um, you can begin this process. We hear a lot of people talking about sit with your feelings, feel your feelings, and all the magnificent benefits that you will have when you start to feel things. And I'm just going to tell you something a little bit different, <laughs> although all of that is true. And I think it is important that I highlight those things. There are also some other considerations that we need to have because um, there are some things that, you know, don't necessarily get enough airtime that I want you guys to consider. So we're all born feeling, right? There's no uh, reservation. There's no consideration. When we are little kids, we begin our life journey just feeling quite comfortable in that state. When we are upset, we, you know, yell and scream. When we are happy, we express our joy. When we don't like someone, we express our discontent. We are actually quite good about feeling and expressing. Now, obviously, there's very little regulation because children don't have a fully functioning um, nervous system. They don't have the ability to self-regulate. They do need a an adult who is attuned and an adult who is calm to be able to co-regulate with them. We need an adult who can coach them, help them think through things, help them sit with difficult feelings and not just act out every single time they're upset about something. And how do you express in a way that is sensitive and kind and gentle? These are all things that an adult is supposed to be doing for that child. Child. Now, a lot of times our parents don't do that, not because they don't want to or they wish us ill in some way, but because no one ever taught them how to feel, right? They were feelings are generally across the board, across the regions, across the world dismissed. They are shamed, they are um, discouraged, and you know, whether it's within schools, whether it's within homes, we have people who don't know exactly what to do with feelings. And so it's better to just say, you know what, you need to go in a timeout and you need to calm down rather than, okay, I'm here. Let me use my system because there is something called neuroception. There is something called co-regulation. Let me use my system to help regulate your system. So let me connect with you. Let me regulate you. Let me talk this through with you. And let me teach you a better way. That's really not happening. So we learn from a very young age that feelings are bad across the board, 100% of the time. When I have asked little kids, even big kids. <laughs> um, uh, is anger good or bad? A hundred percent of the time I have heard anger is bad. Anger is one of the most mobilizing emotions. Without anger, we don't move. 
Anger is so informative about some line has been crossed, some boundary has been crossed, some need has not been met. But we just say anger is bad and don't be angry. And it, and that is how we deal with anger. So that's basically how we deal with these big feelings that come with big messages and we push the feeling out and we push the message out and out come these beautiful feelings of kindness and you know well that's also a value but an expression of kindness or um joy or happiness or surprise like we can have these feelings but all those difficult feelings grief anger rage um disappointment um anxiety these feelings get rid of them Find a way to get rid of them and get on with it. So we learn to um, dissociate. We learn defense mechanisms such as denial, repression. If you're very sophisticated, you intellectualize, you think about things, and that's the one that's like highly rewarded. Um, humor is a defense. You know, there are people who can't, and I'm, you know, I've done it. I've used humor just because I do kind of find things funny sometimes. I actually find them funny. But I can see that when something is very heavy inside of me, like I'll be sitting with my therapist and I'll be talking about something very intense. And then all of a sudden I'll be like, and then, you know, and I'll crack like a joke and it will sort of lighten the mood, but it sort of injects these happy feelings. And that's my body's way of saying, oof, that got a bit heavy in there. We need to find a way to um, just release some happy chemicals because it's getting too heavy. So I do trust my psyche now. I do trust that some of those feelings are, um, some of those defense mechanisms kick on. Um, and they're all kick on unconsciously, by the way. I'm not like, oh, I am feeling a difficult feeling right now. So I will deny this feeling, or I will repress this feeling, or I will reject this feeling, or I will inject some humor, or let me think about this a little bit. Like none of this stuff is actually something we do consciously. Defense mechanisms are your psyche's way of protecting you from difficult experiences when you don't have the ego strength to be able to face those difficult feelings. Okay. So they kick on very early in life. We learn very early to defend against difficult feelings and big feelings. We learn to dissociate. Dissociation is also a defense. We learn to reject all of that because we just don't know what to do with it. And it's just better to just pretend like it's not happening. Like, oh, I'm just going to go that way. Like, I'm not going to think about this. And that is our our psyche's way of protecting us. So it's very, very important that we recognize that we were born a certain way. We had certain needs. Those needs were not met by adults, well-intentioned and well-meaning adults. Uh, so it's not that they, you know, it was abusive in any way. It's just that it's just not done. We don't do things like that. Um, we don't feel feelings. We just kind of get on with it. And so we learn 
a certain way. And then our psyche, because we don't have the sense of self that can tolerate those really destabilizing sensations inside of us, our psyche unconsciously starts to build up defenses around it. And those defenses were the ones like denial, repression, dissociation, humor, intellectualization. I mean, there's a whole long list of them. And you will have your go-tos that you you go to. Not, you know, not everybody has every single defense mechanism. And there are some that are our favorite. Um, and there are some that are considered primitive, like really sort of um, uh, really from the beginning, early on in life, like dissociation, repression, denial. These are things that um, people who have um, who are very young um, emotionally or psychologically, they will resort to those. And then as you get older and you mature, you start to develop these higher order uh, defense mechanisms such as humor and intellectualization. And um, I think even sublimation is one of those higher order ones. So that is um, that is what starts to happen, and we start to lose feeling. Now, there's I need to find the research, but this is stuff that's you know that I'm talking about that has been around for centuries. This is not something that is new. Now, what is happening now is that because of our phones and because of technology, and because of the exposure to a lot of the trauma that we are seeing around the world, a lot of the grief that is um, something that we are witnessing and our nervous system is experiencing as real, we are experiencing a lot of compassion fatigue, a lot of secondary trauma, and our nervous system feels under attack. And I've gone through the polyvagal hierarchy. And when our, uh, when our nervous system is under attack, it actually goes into fight or flight. And once it's in fight or flight for too long, it moves into this kind of dorsal state, which is like a shutdown, I ain't feeling nothing state. So this kind of numbing happens. And there are a lot of people that are starting to feel quite numb about certain things. I had a conversation with someone recently and she said, I have fatigue. She used the word fatigue. I want to care. I just, I'm tired. Okay. So that's your nervous system way of protecting you saying it's all too much right now. I got to shut it down. So if you are in that dorsal state that burnt out compassion fatigue um you know kind of dissociated disengaged state that's because you have had a long run of unmanaged stress and emotions that have just built up in your body and your body is shutting it down because if you continue to feel you will die because we cannot have you inject any more cortisol. We cannot have you inject any more adrenaline. This is not good for your organs. It's not good for your heart. It is not good for your brain. So we're just going to shut it down. That's what's happening inside of you. And so how do we bring ourselves back to feeling 
again? How do we do this thing called feelings? So that's kind of where a lot of people are right now. And so if you are in that, um, you know, in that kind of dorsal state, and, and I've done a whole video on pathways to safety, so you can watch that. But I'm going to talk a little bit about that, but I'm talking very theoretically here. I'm not talking about very specific things. I will mention some of those, but I'm talking on a on a on a bigger level on how do you feel, why should you feel, and what if you don't feel? <laughs> what if what what if that's happening? So let's talk a little bit about why why even do this because it's kind of working. I kind of like being numb right? Like, I don't want to feel, I don't want to care. Like, it feels kind of okay for me. Well, if you're kind of in that state, we're going to trust that, okay? So, but if you stay in that state, and you live in that state, and then you die in that state, then you will not have lived fully, okay? So, there is something to be said about living open-heartedly, and living vulnerably, and living authentically and living with no walls, right? Engaged with life. Like you don't feel things like zest and joy when there's walls around your heart or when you're numb. So you want that high feeling? You want those like, oh my God, this was the best day ever? You ain't gonna get it if you're numb, ever. Okay, so... That's why we want to feel. We want those really, really engaged days. We want to play with our children. And when we laugh, we laugh with our hearts open. And we laugh till we cry. Like, those are the feelings we want. Now, we can't get that unless we know how to do this. Okay? So, if you build walls and you're numb you keep out the good stuff and you keep out the good guys too. So when we build these walls around us and says, I don't want to feel love because love leads to heartbreak and then heartbreak leads to pain and then I don't want to be in pain. Well, let's build that wall then and know that when you keep out those people that might break your heart, you're also keeping out those people that you might connect to and love you deeply. And that's a pretty big thing to lose as a human being, right? We want those people. We want our tribe. We want to feel love and to be loved and to feel that feeling. That's called vulnerability. So when you have walls, you keep out the good guys and the good stuff. The second reason why we want to feel is that we spend a lot a lot, <laughs> a lot of energy repressing our feelings. And I think I've done like a reel on this, but like imagine we're holding all of this stuff down. And as you hold down the anger and the pain and the grief and just say, I'm not going to feel this. Or, you know, the the, the disappointment that comes when a friend lets you down, like, I'm just, oh, I'm not going to, you know, it's okay. I'm not going to worry about that. Like, when you do things like that and you are denying those feelings, you are literally repressing those feelings. And when you repress, you use energy. So we wake up with this much energy every single day. 
okay? And some days, like today, and yesterday was also one of those days for me, but it's been one of those weeks, guys. You wake up with maybe this much energy, and oh wait, let me just hold down that resentment, because I ain't never gonna forgive that girl, and let me just hold down that anger, because I'm not going to talk to her about this because I don't want to deal with that conflict and her drama and I'm not going to and I'm not going to forgive and I'm not going to cry and I'm not going to feel you use all of the energy holding those feelings down and when you're holding those feelings down you have no energy to create anything in the moment or in today so it takes a lot of energy and when you say I forgive you and I'm not going to hold that resentment once I've felt this feeling and I'm just going to let it go and I'm going to feel the anger and I'm going to let it go and I'm going to release the grief of that one friend that let me down and I'm going to release that grief and I'm going to open up my heart. All of a sudden there's energy that you have access to. So it really is about having more energy. And so that's why we want to heal and we want to feel is so we have more energy to move through the day. Um, the third reason why you want to feel is because emotion is energy in motion. E-motion, energy in motion. When you hold all of that in, it results in things like um, all sorts of physical health issues. I've already talked about the PNEI system, which is the psychoneuroendoimmunology, um, right? The PNEI system, where your psychology, neurology, endocrinology, immunology is one system. One pain in one of those systems has a effect on all of your systems which basically means you're, you are one being and your emotions will have an impact on your liver and on your kidneys and on your heart and on your brain and on your thyroid and things like cancers or autoimmune diseases or you know, arthritis. All of these things have been linked to uh, repressed emotions unexpressed emotions. There are people that have been diagnosed with lung cancer who never smoked a day in their life. And there are people who don't have lung cancer that smoked a pack a day in their life. So when we, and I'm not saying you should smoke, do not smoke. Your body is a temple, take care of your body. But I am saying that everything comes together and emotions play a big role in how your body expresses dis-ease and repressed emotions result in dis-ease and dis-ease is disease and that is your body's way of saying i need to express certain things there's a lot of people who have thyroid imbalances and that's kind of like the throat chakra area how do you express more? How do you listen more? How do you communicate better? That is going to be part of that, right? So I'm not saying that this is the only one explanation, but I'm saying this is one explanation that 
makes sense to me and I have seen it. I have actually seen things where people, there are patterns, right? I think Christopher Reeve, um, his wife was diagnosed with lung cancer and she never smoked. And it, you know, there was, she was, and, and in the Chinese medicine, they say the lungs hold grief. So when you have that much grief and you're not able to express it or you're not able to talk about it, and as human beings, we are meant to be expressive beings. We're not meant to hold everything inside of ourselves. We're meant to move. We're meant to shake. We're meant to scream. We're meant to do these types of things in a healthy way. When we are never, um, when we're not doing such things, that emotion, motion is stuck in our body and that is causing the disease. So that's the third reason where you want to consider, you know, why is it good to feel feelings? Okay. The number four um, reason is that you are going to be less creative. You know, that energy that I was talking about that was going in this direction and that direction and holding down the past and worrying about the future and all of these things that are unmanaged and unresolved and un, um, sort of unreconciled inside of us, they take up energy and that is creative energy. You have less energy to be creative in your work. So you are going to feel stuck in your life. And that stuckness is giving you a signal that you've got to let go of something, okay? If you're feeling like you're taking two steps forward and like four steps back, it's probably because you got to go back. You got to go back and do that work and you've got to feel that and you've got to heal that. And so that's been my experiences. I've, I've made sense of my life. I have meaning. I have done things. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. I haven't felt my feelings. I've thought about my feelings. I have talked about my feelings, but I have not felt the pain in my heart, the punch in my gut, the tension in my shoulders, the the weight in my ankles, that was my body saying, oh my God, what is that? So that's what I'm talking about. It's the body. It is somatic. It is an experience. It is a visceral experience of your emotions. It is not a thought. It is not a image. It is a visceral, I'm going to throw up because there is so much feeling inside of my body that is being, uh, that is coming up for me. And that's why it's going to be very important that you have a co-regulator. So for me, that was the experience. I did not know I had that much in my body. And even when I think about it now, now I am tearing up, though those are not allergies. When I think about, when I think about the pain that is in our bodies and that, that we deny or that we don't express, it really is a gut-punching experience. And when we say things like, oh my God, I felt like I got punched in the gut or I feel like my heart is breaking, that is the feeling. And we are, when we're little and we're feeling such sensations, we actually think we're gonna die. And that's why 
we just move up into our heads and we disconnect from our bodies. We actually feel like we're going to die. And I'm not remembering who actually said this, but I think it was um, Siegel who said that, you know, every sort of addiction or every defense is from uh, this kind of avoidance of a sensation that we are not able to tolerate. And, and that is it. If we know how to tolerate the sensation and we trust, okay, you're not going to die. You're going to be fine. We're, we're good. We're safe. We're safe. We're safe. Like, then you can drop further into that feeling and drop further into that feeling and expand that window of tolerance. Because right now, this is our window and it's saying, uh-uh, nobody in, no one's coming in. This is what we're doing. We're disconnected. We're here and this is a good place to be, or we're on some screen living in some virtual reality, completely dissociated and disconnected to our bodies. We are not feeling, and we are wondering why we are depressed, and we are wondering why we are anxious. We are anxious because that is our body's way of getting our attention. We are depressed because that is our body's way of saying, pay attention. Something is not working. And yes, there are biopsychosocial reasons for depression. You can check the Lighthouse account for Dr. Hussein talking about that. But I know I have been depressed, clinically depressed in my life clinical symptoms right there and medication yes done that i've done that and and i know that it was almost too unbearable to be that low and sometimes you do need to be on medication to bring yourself up to the surface so you can actually do the work of therapy some people are feeling so low that they actually don't have the energy to engage with a therapist. They're feeling so anxious that they don't have the energy or the capacity to take in um, the therapeutic process or to sit with the therapeutic process. So those types of people would be really good candidates for medication plus therapy. We would stabilize them on medication and then move them into therapy. They would learn what they needed to learn and then they would get off of medication. So that's one of the ways where you might need to do some of that if you are feeling that low and that clinical, okay? So, but there are biopsychosocial reasons for depression and anxiety, but I'm telling you that that is our psyche's way of getting our attention. And if we looked at feelings as messengers and saying, mm -mm, I ain't going to do this and I'm not going to live like this and I'm not approving of this and I would draw all energy from you. I will not give you any more energy to go through your day. I am not going to let you engage with this stuff. It's why would the psyche do that? Imagine there's a little you know, spirit inside of you. And it does things like that. Why? Why would it do that? I'm always wondering about that. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> and my, my spirit is a really loud one. So it's like, what do you want? Just tell me what you want. And there are times where she's super clear and she tells me this is what you got to do. And I'm like, please don't ask this of me. But then I have to do it because when the psyche speaks, like I submit, 
Um, but there are other times where it takes me a little bit longer. So, um, so yeah, that's why you want to feel. You want to feel so you can live, so you feel alive. When you're numb, you do not feel alive. When you're numb and disengaged, you are not engaged and creative. That's why we want to feel. So it's a good thing to feel. Now, what should you expect when you start to feel? Well, you should expect that it ain't going to be easy. Now, this is something that no one talks about. All right. This is something that no one is talking about. Like, I remember I was, oh, yeah, I'm going to feel I'm going to heal my nervous system. I'm going to do my brain spotting and my EMDR and my bio, uh, bio, bilateral, you know, uh, meditations and all of that stuff. So I'm starting to feel all of that. Um, And then it was like overload of stimulation. Um, And so if you have been a sensitive child, which I was, um, it really felt like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. So one thing, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, is that you need to know that it isn't going to be easy. That's like, hey, I'm going to run a marathon, but I'm not going to train. Like, you can do it, but it ain't going to be easy. And you're going to be like, you know, gasping for breath at like, you know, the 100 meter as you start, like you've got to do some pre-work. So it isn't going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. You become more human. Um, and that that's really worth it when you become human. Like we're all walking around like robots or zombies, and we know that something's not right. So it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. The second thing is that you cannot force it. So, oh, God, I'm going to feel, 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 feel. No, it's not like that. <laughs> you can't do it. You cannot force the feeling, okay? The feeling is the force. You can attune, you can soften, but you can't force it. If you're not feeling it, then you've got to trust your psyche. You've got to trust your nervous system that you are not ready yet. Now, this is very hard for people like me because I am like, all right, I'm ready to feel and now I'm going to feel it. Like for people that have like control issues or, you know, have like an anxious disposition. Yeah, you're going to have to surrender to the process. You're going to have to surrender and you just have to trust that whatever comes up as it comes up, this is what you're ready for. So there's a lot of trust that you're going to have to um, bring into this process. You cannot force it. And if it gives you a little bite, that's because that's all you can digest at this point. So the more you heal, the more things will come up and you will chew bigger things and you will release those bigger things. So that's kind of how you need to think about it is that the psyche will give you, your nervous system will give you whatever it is that you're ready for. And when it comes, you need to just honor that. You can't be like, oh, no, no, no. Right after this, like, no, when it comes, that's a window. So there are windows where I'm like, 
oh God, here it is. There's an opening. There's like an opening and a contracting and an opening and a contracting. Everything in the universe opens and contracts. We are, our psyche, our nervous system is the same thing. So then there's like this opening and all sorts of memories and dreams and feelings and all that stuff is coming up. That's when I know I got to buckle down and do the work. And then know that that's not going to last forever and there will be a closing and then I'm going to miss that because all sorts of insights and all sorts of, you know, sensations came up for me and that doesn't last. Nothing lasts. Okay, so you can't force it. And then the third thing is that you have to have mechanisms of protecting your energy. So you can't just be like, all right, I'm ready. No. Just like you're going in for a marathon or you're being a deep sea diver, deep sea divers have to work on expanding their lungs. And I'm talking about free divers. I'm not talking about the ones with oxygen, um, although those are also very skilled people. But I'm talking about just like free divers. They hold their breath and they're like down there for like nine minutes. Like you don't just jump in and like think you're going to be deep diving. You have to have, you know, uh, a capacity to be able to stay down there long enough. And that capacity is not just oh, a thought. Um, I think I've got this. I'm going to will myself into staying down there for nine minutes. No, it is a practice. You've got to expand that window of tolerance little by little, little by little. And every moment in your life is an opportunity. Every moment that gets a, mm, out of you is a moment where you say, all right, ground, breathe, soften, breathe, soften, breathe. And if you can tolerate that guy cutting you off on the road, you are now building a muscle that's going to help you tolerate other difficult feelings. So you start to look for opportunities um, and you need to have mechanisms to ground yourself and, and have like a toolbox ready for when those feelings do show up. So what do you need to practice to make feelings a little bit easier? And this is really about expanding your window of tolerance. What do you do to make feelings a little bit easier for yourself? One is going to be the pre-work. And that is, guys, you've got to have a regulation box. Like, what are you going to do when you feel dysregulated? And like I said, every opportunity whether it's like this irritating colleague at work or that guy that cuts you off on the road or the, you know, the restaurant hostess who doesn't, um, you know, give you the table that you really want. These are all opportunities for you to say, all right, I'm going to soften. <laughs> I'm going to shake it off. I'm going to find my center. I'm going to go for a walk and I'm going to come back to this. That's what I'm going to do. So what are you going to do when the feelings get really big inside of you? And if you are losing your lid each time a big feeling shows up or you're just like, anyways, I'm not going to think about it. You're not ready to feel the big feelings. You cannot say, I'm not going to think about it. You can say, I'm feeling it. Oh, it's like literally like in my liver right now or I feel it in, on this side of my body or I feel it in my back. I, my toes are tingling. My ear is tingling. Okay, I'm feeling it. I'm shaking it off. And now I choose to not think about it. I release it and I'm just going to let it go. I'm not going to let this ruin my day. So that is the kind of 
ex experience you need to have each time. There has to be a visceral experience and then a decision on what you're going to do with that. And if you just kind of ride the wave, it doesn't really last more than 90 seconds. But it's usually when we're like, and then we feed the story. I can't believe she did that to me. And I don't. Why didn't she give me that table? And how can these people? That's when we feed the story. But the emotion, the energy, the energetic experience of that, research shows that it only really lasts 90 seconds. So just if you breathe it out and you release it, 90 seconds and you're done. Now, obviously, there are bigger feelings like grief and rage and shame. These are big feelings. But even those feelings, they will come up in surges. You're going to say soft front, strong back. Keep your back strong, soften into the feeling. When the feeling comes, we tighten up. Think about the last time you felt ashamed. Think about the last time you felt ashamed. Like you close up. When you close up, you are sending a signal to the brain that this is not safe. It's not safe right now. Shut it down. So we don't want to do that. When we feel shame, you can put your hand, one on your belly, the other one on your heart, and soften. It's okay. You're safe. So you know when you were that little kid and you needed that adult to say, it's okay, you're safe, it was just a mistake, you're going to be okay, everything's going to be okay. We kind of needed to hear that. And then we would have integrated the shame. And then shame wouldn't have been this very big feeling that like debilitates us. If we had that attuned co-regulator as a child. So guess who gets to be that attuned co-regulator as an adult? You do. You are that attuned co-regulator. It's also referred to as reparenting. But you can't be a parent if you don't have a wise adult inside of you that you have cultivated. And oftentimes, that's the work of therapy, is that when you start to sit with a therapist who is attuned, who is compassionate, who reminds you of your goodness when you feel really, you know, dysregulated, who highlights all the other things that are going on so you don't just zero in on the thing that is bad. This is a co-regulator. They're energetically regulating you. They're working with you. They're highlighting all the things that need to be highlighted, named, integrated. That is the work of a therapist. And once you do that work, that wise adult starts to get cultivated. And that's why you can start to even internalize. I know some of my clients, when they first start working with me, they say, well, what would Dr. Saleha say? Or what would Dr. Saleha say? And eventually, it's not Dr. Saleha. It becomes their own inner voice. But in the meanwhile, like it, it, it is okay if it's Dr. Saleha who would say, it's going to be fine. You're safe. I'm with you. We're going to go through this. And when, when they hear that voice, that calms them down and they soften into that feeling. So you have to have that wise adult that you cultivate inside of you. And if you can't do that on your own, you've got to work with the therapist. 
And if you can't afford a therapist, then you do that in support groups that are manned by therapists that we have at the Lighthouse. You can do that work there. And we have, you know, 20 plus therapy groups, I mean, uh, support groups that are um, by, uh, run by therapists. And that is a regulating space. Everyone is there in a supportive stance, right? They're not there to judge you. They're not there to be like, well, why are you still feeling that way after like a year of this? No, when we have a grief group, that's where you go and you feel and you drop and you surrender into that feeling. It's a safe circle where you can go and experience those big feelings. And we have so many groups for so many different types of topics that people are facing and they're free. So try that. It would be good to be in that kind of circle. That's the first thing. The second thing is, so like I said, you need like a regulation box. Actually, let me go back to that. So in the regulation box, you are going to put all the things that bring you back to homeostasis. What brings you back to your center? And no, Netflix does not come only on like really bad days. <laughs> you can do Netflix, but we don't want to use numbing agents. We want to actually digest, okay? We don't want to distract if we don't have to. Now, there are some times when it's just too much. And I've had such days where it was just like, I'm like, I've lost it. I've lost my lid. Maybe I didn't sleep properly. Maybe I didn't eat properly. Maybe I'm unresourced right now and then something bad happens and that's it I've blown my fuse and it's just there's no way like walking or drinking tea or you know any of these things that usually bring me down to center are gonna work on such days I will distract myself with something and when my nervous system is back down that's when I'll come back to it and be like, okay, what just happened? So distraction is part of that toolbox, but use it with the utmost consideration because that's just another way of you numbing yourself. And we don't want to numb ourselves. We want to feel the feeling. Um, so that um, that is what you need to put in your regulation box. What are some things that are going to make you just come back down to homeostasis. So for me, for example, um, movement has to be part of it. And that's actually the second thing that I'm going to tell you guys about, that there is no healing, there is no feeling unless your body is involved. Your body has to be involved. The feeling is lodged into your body. Your fascia remembers, your body remembers, your body keeps score. These are names of books, by the way, not the fascia one, but your body remembers when the body says no, uh, the body keeps score, the body never lies. These are all names of books. And that is uh, really, really important that there is no healing without physically feeling the feeling in the body. So body work must be part of this work. I do believe working with a therapist is an important part of it, uh, especially if 
you have not had an adult in your life or you haven't had the training or you haven't had any exposure to regulating adults, then having some exposure to that is going to be important. But if you, you know, and, and like I said, the support groups may serve as a function if they're run by a qualified licensed person and most support groups are not and that's why they can be a little bit unhelpful because you end up just kind of talking about the problem and there are no solutions given um, but our body is not going to feel safe without another person and there are yoga teachers so we have um, a trauma-informed yoga teacher who is a psychotherapist uh, at the lighthouse um, and she does this kind of work so it's somatic work breath work movement yoga all of this stuff that I've mentioned to you guys before is going to be an important part of you doing this healing and the safer your body feels the more the psyche will give now there are people who are doing things like psychedelics in different parts of the world and they're doing um you know they're doing all kinds of ways of sort of bypassing the 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 cognitive parts of the brain and the newer parts of the neocortex and accessing memories and accessing parts of themselves without really having someone trained to facilitate that it's quite dangerous because if you don't have the ego strength and you don't have someone who is a co-regulator or someone who can help um, physically contain some of the things that are coming up for you, meaning like energetically they're in the same room as you, it could throw you in a tailspin. And even things like breath work where you sort of are working on sort of knocking out that neocortex and and accessing deeper parts of your brain when you do that kind of work and you are not safe in your body or you don't have ego strength you could have a a, um, a reaction that could be quite destabilizing it is a very destabilizing experience to have feelings come up when you don't have that wise adult cultivated and there's not a co-regulator in the room. So that's why it's super important. That's why you never go deep diving on your own because you just don't know what might come up for you. And then when that traumatic, ex when that traumatic experience surfaces and you get totally freaked out, you're going to dissociate again. And then you have to go back into, you know, bringing those feelings back um, online. And so that's why it's so, so important to do this kind of body work, breath work, um, any type of psychedelics, any type of that work that you guys are, you know, in other parts of the world, it's not in the UAE, um, to do that with a qualified person who can help integrate and digest and process that experience. Now, when I um, did brain spotting and when I've done this work uh, with JV at the Lighthouse, that for me was one of the most powerful experiences 
ever. Now, JV is coming. Um, he's going to be doing his um, encounter groups where you encounter your inner world and your inner psyche. But he's also doing this alchemy for art. The alchemy of art, um, where you actually have movement and art. And, you know, part of it is where you close your eyes and you're just feeling the feeling and something is coming out. So you're creating something, but it's not like you're drawing with pencils, but it's a physical embodied experience of that emotion. Um, and, and it involves some art. So that might be a good way. And, and he is a great regulator. Um, he's very big and he has a big energy about him. Like he's very, very tall. And, um, and so when he sort of makes that container for the other person energetically it actually really makes you feel quite safe so that is also one thing for people to consider who are like well I don't want to work one-on-one -on -one with a therapist or I don't have the money or the time or the energy whatever these types of workshops are cost effective and they are um, a great way to work with a licensed professional so that's going to be the body work part. The third thing I'm going to say is that start paying attention by making an intention to pay attention to your feelings. So every morning, wake up and say, I'm just going to pay attention to the feelings that come up for me. You might keep a journal. You might keep a journal on your phone and you say things like, um, you know, well, I felt really friendly towards her or I felt very agitated. Um, I felt very overwhelmed. Now, another part, which is part four, which links into part three, is you've got to have a very um, uh, expanded feelings vocabulary. Most people don't have a very feel big feelings vocabulary. They say things like, I'm sad, I'm mad, I'm happy. I'm surprised, I'm disappointed, and like, you know, five, ten words. So it's going to be very important that as you start this journaling process and you make an intention to look for feelings, that you start to cultivate a feelings vocabulary. You guys all know about the Smart Hard board game because I've talked about it on my channel and, you know, in, in, in my stories. But you don't have to buy the whole board game, actually. You can just buy the pack. And the pack has many different feeling words, as well as questions that you can play with your children. But you would be surprised what comes up for you when you ask those, like when you're working on your inner child stuff. That is something that you can buy online and you can buy at the lighthouse. So feelings vocabulary is going to be an important part. The more you can name, the more you are able to tame. And people who have a granular experience of their feelings, so like really nuanced. So I remember one day I had like a meeting that I was really looking forward to and um, my, my, you know, and it didn't go well. And my husband said, you know, I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm sad that you're sad. And I was like, well, I'm not sad. I'm, I feel disappointed, but I'm not sad. And he was like, okay, <laughs> like, you know, but the more nuanced you get granularity in your emotional expression, the more you will be able to pick it up earlier and be able to 
you know, um, manage it earlier. So things like, oh, I feel really uneasy or I feel really jittery or I feel worried before you hit anxious. Most people have the word anxious, but they don't have all of these kind of lower vibration feelings or this kind of lower level feeling in their vocabulary or in their day-to-day lexicon. And so they only pick up on things when things get anxious. And it's much harder to manage anxious than it is to manage uneasy. So when that starts to reverberate inside of you as an uneasy feeling, then you know, okay, well, I'm feeling a little bit uneasy. Let me go tend to this before it actually becomes anxious. And the research is quite compelling that people who have a bigger emotional vocabulary are 30% more likely to not, you know, use substances to self-soothe. They're able to express better. They're able to do better, have, have healthier relationships because they have more ability to manage those feelings at that earlier stage. So you Google feeling words and then there's even feeling charts that are sort of ingrained. So like low, medium, high. So um, upset, angry, enraged, right? If I'm enraged, it's like, it's, it's over, <laughs> right? But if I'm upset, then it's not the same thing as angry. So this is what we want to teach. We, and, and if you can do that to your kids, this is the biggest gift you can give your children. And that's why we created that smart hardboard game is because you get them early and then they know earlier and it becomes like a, a language that they speak. And feelings is a language. You do need to have words that helps contain. So you name it to tame it, okay? You do need to have some mindfulness practice, which is another thing. So if you're just running around and you're on your phone and you're like self-medicating through social media and all of these other things, then you probably aren't going to pick up on what's happening inside of your body. So doing body scans is a great way to start feeling like just from your toes to your ankles, to your shins, to your knees to your thighs, to your hips, to your waist, to your chest, your shoulders, like you're literally doing body scan and you can Google body scan and there's all sorts of YouTube videos that will actually take them through the whole body. That's a great mindfulness meditation, but also a great way to start tuning in to the biggest radar you have about the messages from your deep psyche, your intuition, your emotional state, your physical state, which is your body. This brain, 20%, guys, 80% of the messages are down here. So 80% of this kind of messaging that we are disconnected and disassociated from that we can have more connection with if we start to pay and tune in to what this body is doing and saying. And part of brain spotting, which I find just fascinating, is that we start with a sensation and we say, okay, where are you feeling like the most amount of energy right now? And right today, right now, it's here, but tomorrow it might be here. And sometimes it's around my ankles. And we start with that and then we go with that. And that's my body communicating with me. But most people are not tuned in on that kind of very nuanced level with their body. So this is what it will start to do, is that when you start to do these things, it 
you will start to pay attention when your body communicates. Remember, guys, we're animals, right? We, ha- we are sensory beings and we can sense things and you can cultivate that superpower, which is your sense and your sixth sense, which is just this kind of neuroception and this kind of like vibe feeling. You can actually cultivate that. I know my abilities to pick up on things a mile away has strengthened as I have healed and worked on my nervous system. And I also know that when I am sort of dysregulated, out it goes. So it's not like, oh, I have the superpower and it will always be. No, I need to be in this kind of calm, grounded, open space um, for me to receive the messages from my higher power, from my deep psyche, and as well as my environment. So you need to be in this kind of open, receptive state to be able to get that. Another way to do it is these two methods that you might find online on Google or YouTube. One is Tara Brock's RAIN, R-A-I-N, Google it. And the second one is called Ruler, Matthew Beckett. Um, He's a Yale professor, but if you do ruler for emotions, ruler is, um, so let me start by saying what RAIN is. RAIN is R for recognize, A for allow, I for investigate, and N for nurture. So this kind of process she takes you through, recognize, allow, investigate, nurture. I love it right? It, it, it says, oh, something's happening. I'm going to wait. Yes. Also this, also this. Soften, soften. Now I'm going to think, well, what happened? Why is that? Where is that? What color is that? How big is that? What is that about? What does it remind me of? That's when I'm going to start to investigate. And then I'm going to nurture and I'm going to self-soothe and I'm going to say you're safe and you're good. And having my hand on my belly and my, my heart really sort of keeps me grounded and contained. Ruler, somewhat similar, but a little bit more deconstructed, is recognize, understand, label. So that's one thing that they say you need to have a feeling words associated with it. Express and regulate. So it's kind of the same thing, but they've added this idea about labeling and expressing in there. And if I think about the smart hardboard game, it actually takes you through the ruler. It actually is very much about how do you label feelings? How do you express feelings? How do you regulate your feelings? It will take you through that. So for all the parents out there, that's the board game that you want to start playing with your kids and even the older ones that show up while we're playing. And the things I learned about my husband and my best friend and all these other people that play when my kids are around, um, it really is, um, it will show you how little you know about the other person or their childhood even. So those are the two methods that you can begin with. 